uh, we're talking about the Olivet Discourse. The Olivet Discourse is found in, in uh, both Matthew, Mark, and Luke's Gospels, but we're uh, looking primarily at uh, the Olivet Discourse as it comes to us from Matthew chapter 24. It's also found in Mark 13 and Luke uh, 21. Um, tonight we're going to focus primarily on the last portion of this Olivet Discourse, and the last portion being verses 30 uh, through 51. Recall, but to put it in context for you, Jesus has uh, just told the religious leaders that uh, he is leading and his disciples are leading. And you see in that very symbolically as he leaves the, the glory of God leaving the temple. And uh, so they go. And as they leave, the disciples were looking at this magnificent temple. And they point out to Jesus how magnificent these buildings are and everything. And um, they said, do you see all this? And he points out to them that um, not one stone will be left on another until every one of them is thrown down. Well, this kind of shocks them, I guess. And... Uh, they, so they ask Jesus two questions, and it seems to me they're, they're putting the two questions together regarding, and they're, and they're t temporal questions. When is this going to happen, and what will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age? And so they're kind of linking the two together, the destruction of the temple and the coming of Jesus at the end of the age. And so... Uh, when it's going to happen, what are the signs going to be uh, about this? And so Jesus begins to answer them, of course, in verses 4 through 14 of Matthew 24. 4 through 14, he's dealing with general events, and these are not signs of an imminent fall. He says that, that uh, there's going to be wars and rumors of wars, and nations going to rise up against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There's going to be famines and earthquakes in various places and that uh, the people, his people are going to be persecuted, they're going to be handed over to be put to death and um, that many of them will be hated because of Jesus and um, and so on. But he says, you know, this, this, isn't, this isn't it. Uh, these aren't the signs that's right at hand and about to happen. He says, these things are going to be there. So uh, don't look to these things as those signs are imminent right there. But then in verse 15, he goes on to talk about the, the one sign that means it's imminent. It's just about to happen here. And he talks about the abomination uh, that causes desolation uh, about which the prophet Daniel spoke about. When you see that, th then you know. And um, we kind of scratch our head and go, exactly what is that? Well, you look to Luke's translation, Luke uh, writing to a different type of audience, and he was writing to uh, more of a Gentile type audience at that place, and Luke says, when you see an army surrounding Jerusalem, you'll know. And so we know that um, a little before 70 AD, uh, uh, the Roman army came up and began to put uh, Israel or Jerusalem under siege 
and carried with him the standards of the Roman army, which uh, was an abomination for uh, people of Israel for that to go into their uh, temple. Well, so Jesus tells them, uh, beginning in 15, that this, it's at hand when this is to take place. And when you see that, you who are believers, you who are listening to me right now, when you see that, you get out of there. Um, don't, don't go back to get your coat. <laughs> uh, I hope that it doesn't happen in the winter. Don't, you know, pray, don't, uh, don't pray that it doesn't happen on a Sabbath day. And, and for women who are pregnant at that day, it won't be a good thing. But you need to flee and get out of there. And so we know that uh, historically speaking, from other historical events or other historical recordings of this, Josephus, first century Jewish historian, and some others talk about it. And there was a, a brief period of time there where the Roman army pulled back and all the Jews heeding Jesus, or excuse me, all the Christians who had been heeding Jesus' words there, they exit and get out of there. And there is no historical record of a single uh, Christian being killed uh, at the siege of Jerusalem in 70 AD. Um, we do know that uh, the siege of 70 AD from the other historians, uh, Josephus and some of the others, that in fact the city was leveled, uh, such to the point that they, they wanted to make sure that if anyone ever went there, they would look at the place and be amazed that there ever had been a city there. They wanted to level every stone uh, that was there. It was, it was all gone. And so Jesus warns them, this is going to take place. And so when you see it happening, get out of there. And they take heed to his prophecy, and they, and they do take, take off. Um, then uh, <clears throat> verses 32 through 35, um, Jesus uh, reminds them that this is going to happen. Uh, within this generation, uh, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these events have happened. And, uh, and so it seems to me that um, verses uh, 4, when Jesus starts answering their questions, all the way to uh, 35, he is answering very specifically their question about when is this going to happen that the temple is going to be destroyed, not one stone will be standing on another. Um, he speaks in some language um, that seems, seems very apocryphal, uh, but we did, were able to see last time, we looked in the Old Testament and saw that when major, um, major nations such as Babylon or Egypt were, were falling in, in their destruction, uh, you can go back in the Old Testament and see some of the exact same language about their destruction happening. And so Jesus using destruction that would have been clear to anyone who had read the prophets of those days that this was something major to a, um, um, a political entity. In this case, I would say Jeru uh, Israel, Jerusalem. They're, they're seeing the destruction of their city and their temple at this time. So it's spoken of terms. So this brings us to verse 36. And I believe verse 36 is a brand new thing. Um, someone want to begin reading for us in verse 36. 
But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. When two men will be left in the field, one will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and one left. Therefore stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore you must also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom the master will find so doing when he comes. <clears throat> Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that wicked servant says to himself, my master is delayed and begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with the drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and in an hour that he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Okay, thank you. Um, someone who's re is anyone reading a different version than ESV? Let me read to you the, out of the NIV. No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but the Father only. Uh, any other translations of the I have a New American Standard? What are you reading out of, Phil? Okay. I don't know if you notice any any differences uh, in the English versions there. What, uh, what seems to be the deal with, with Jesus here in verse 36? Um, no one knows about that day. What day? His coming. His coming at the end of the age. They've been asking the one question. They put them together. And he says, well, I do know about this one question about the fall of the temple in Jerusalem when there will not be one stone left on another and there's certain things going to happen. I need to tell you as believers, you need to get out of there when these, you see these things happening so you will be safe. Don't stand and try to stand up for Jerusalem at this point because it's going to happen. This is God's will. It's God's plan for this to happen. But, you know, you guys maybe have put these two things together. Uh, the, the destruction of the temple and the fall of Jerusalem and my coming at the end of the age but I want you to know that's not necessarily the way you should be thinking of it you maybe can think of uh, if you've been in the mountains very often and you see some mountains in the distance and they look like they're real close to one another you get to the first one and, and you see the next peak over there and it's still another 50 or 60 miles over there it's still quite a ways away <coughs> And uh, so maybe Jesus, maybe the disciples have been seeing these two things as being right at the same mount, or right at the same summit, but Jesus is saying, no, doesn't seem to be that way. Uh, and he, he goes on to say, that day, that day or hour, and by the way, we will look in weeks to come when he calls it the last day, and it's also called the last hour in one place, 
and we'll see what, what he says about the last day and the last hour. But he says, no one knows, not even uh, the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father knows. And so then he goes on to, um, and so he, he is answering, I believe, their, their second question there, which they kind of placed the two together and thought that, well, maybe these things would happen at the same time. And Jesus seems to be saying, nope, not going to happen at the same time. Temple's going to fall in one time, but my coming, the sign of my coming at the end of the age is going to be something totally different. And so um, <clears throat> he goes on then to, to begin to describe what that day looks like. And how does he describe that day? What's it going to look like? We see beginning in verse 37. Basically the same as any other day, giving in marriage, marrying, eating, drinking. Right. As it was in the days of Noah, right? They'll be eating and drinking and giving in marriage. And um, what are some other things he said there? Uh, everything seemed to be going along just as normal as it always had, right up to the day that Noah entered the ark, right? And then the flood starts to come. Nobody saw anything to... Uh, maybe the clouds hadn't even started forming in the sky. And everybody's just thinking, well, this is normal. Everything's going on. I don't know what this crazy man there is doing building the boat out in the middle of nowhere. But um, so everything seems to be going along quite as normal. Um, now, we know that people were evil in those days. Certainly saw that. But they, I guess maybe they had begun to except the evil of the world and it's everything seemed to be just going along just as it always had been going along and nothing that would have made anyone think something out of the ordinary is about to happen and um and, and so he says this is how it will be at the end of verse 39 this is how it will be at the, the coming of the son of man Going along, just it seems like time always has gone along. And then he will come. Verse 40, uh, he talks a little bit more about it. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding uh, with a hand mill and one will be taken and the other one left. Um, Who was, uh, who was taken and who was left in the, the days of Noah? Huh? The wicked were swept away. Wicked were swept away, so I guess in a sense they were taken, or Noah and his family was taken on the ark. And the other ones were the ones left, right? To get the wrath of God. So one of two ways uh, um, there, who, who was taken and who was left. He doesn't tell us specifically who was taken and who is left. But we know they're separated at that point. And one's separated for good, and one separation's not going to be so good. Um, and what he's telling us. Then he goes on in verse 42 Keep watch, because you do not know what day your Lord will come. Jesus hasn't given on any real indication of that. It's going to be going on like normal someday when he comes. Verse 43, but understand this, if the owner of his house had known the time of night when the thief was coming, he would not have, 
he, uh, he would have kept watch and would have uh, uh, he, he would have kept watch and would not have left his house to be broken into. Um, that's right, right? And G who, who's Jesus comparing to the, the thief here? himself yeah not in, not in the sense that he's coming to do anything bad like the thief would but simply in the sense that you don't know you don't know when the thief is coming if you knew when the thief was coming you'd be prepared if the thief writes you a note and says all right uh i want you to know <laughs> i just want you to know i'm going to be at your house at three o'clock on tuesday morning i want you to be ready we would be ready wouldn't we we, we would have uh, uh, have the police, you know, waiting around our house, waiting for him. Probably have, hope, hopefully have him hidden to come. And as soon as we hear somebody start to, and our doors would all be locked, our dogs would still be awake. We'd make sure because if they does sleep through anything, we would sleep through. But uh, at least mine do. Um, <laughs> dogs are interesting, and this has nothing to do with it. But uh, I'll come in in the morning. Sam's away. I've been out. And I'm coming in. And all of a sudden they go crazy when they hear me coming in. It's like, <laughs> now, like on Sunday mornings when I go out, try to go out quiet, don't wake her, come over here and get some stuff done and have to get done and go back over there. She's still asleep. And I sneak in. Not a Sam. Not a thief. So, anyway. Come on, guys. <laughs> we feed you for something. But um, anyway, uh, it, it, so he's saying, you know what? If you knew the time, if you knew the time, then you would, you would be prepared. But you don't know the time. The Lord's coming back like a thief in the, in the night. You don't know when uh, he is coming. And so you don't know when to expect him. So how are you supposed to behave then? In the meantime, how are we supposed to behave? As if he was coming that hour. As if he was coming that hour. As if he was coming right now. Uh, he says in verse 45, Who then is faithful and wise, a servant whom his master has put in charge of his servants in his house, so to give him uh, their food in proper time, it, it, it will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. Yes, doing the things that God has called us to do and doing them at all times. We don't know when he's going to return. Um, you teenagers, and you were doing something you shouldn't be. You didn't want your parents returning home before they should get there, right? <laughs> and, uh, but if you, were, if you were doing what you should be doing the whole time, you didn't care when your parents came home. Martin Luther was once asked... Um, what he would do if he knew that the Lord was going to return to earth tomorrow. He said, I would get all, I would get all my friends together and we'd go get up on the roof of a house somewhere and wait for him. He didn't say that. That's, that's more contemporary folks. What, what did he say? He said, I plant a tree. Jesus came back tomorrow. What am I going to do? I'm going to plant a tree. In other words, he's saying, I'm going to continue to do the things that I've always been doing, which has been faithful to God. And I'm not going to change a thing by being faithful to God, knowing if I knew he was coming back tomorrow, 
we each one need to be that same sort of same sort of thing, not knowing when he's going to return. Um, it goes on. Uh, it would be good for that servant uh, whose master finds him so doing when he returns. I tell you the truth. Um, he will he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose that servant uh, is wicked and says to himself, "My my master is staying away a long time," and he begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and an hour when he is not aware. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What does that sound like? Hell. <laughs> Sounds like maybe hell and judgment. So the Lord's saying, I'm going to come back, and when I'm coming back, I'm coming in judgment. I'm coming back and coming back in judgment. And if I'm coming back in judgment, I need to find my servants doing what I've left for them to do. And, um, and so we see uh, the very next chapter, Matthew 25. You recall Matthew 25, the, one of the major places where we see judgment of the last day, right? So <clears throat> we pick it up in verse 31. Here again for this judgment. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all his angels with him, uh, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory, and all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. Um, I know that some of y'all sit on, you know, the east side over there on Sunday mornings. I don't know if that's a good thing. That's my left. But uh, I digress. Um, then, then the king will say to those on his right, Come, uh, you who are blessed by the Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom uh, prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Uh, when the right, then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothes you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? Then the king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the uh, least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed uh, unto eternal fire, prepared uh, for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. Uh, they also will answer, Lord, when would we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger and needing clothes or sick in prison and not help you? And he replied, I tell you the truth, whenever you did not do uh, for, the least, for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away into eternal punishment but the righteous into eternal life. And so we see here uh, 
it seems that uh, from the end of chapter 24, uh, Jesus is talking about the judgment that's going to, to come uh, when he returns in a day and an hour that nobody knows. Um, if somebody tells you, I've got it figured out, it's going to come October whatever day, and many have done that over the years, right? Um, so many have. I heard of a group in Arkansas years ago who all decided they knew exactly when it was. They sold everything they had and went and joined in, in this uh, complex out there somewhere in Arkansas and knew, I guess, pretty much the hour, and they all sat on the roof of the house waiting for the Lord to return, and he did We've had many um, others predict the very times in which he was going to return. Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses did it uh, years ago. And when Jesus didn't return the first time they said he was, they planned another time. And when he didn't then, they said, well, we still missed it. We got it right this time. And um, they keep missing. And there's a Harold Camping um, guy who most recently said, I think he had two or three predicted times it was going to happen. He says, oh, I didn't take this into consideration. And Jesus just doesn't come back at those times. Why, why haven't they read where Jesus said no one knows? Not even the angels in heaven or the sun, only the Father knows. We're not to make those predictions. What are we to do in the meantime? Be ready. Yeah, live, as, live as faithful servants to him. So that's the one thing. Can know, and that is one thing that he tells us about uh, here uh, in this passage. And so, just like uh, it, during the days of, uh, of uh, Noah, they'll be eating and drinking and giving in marriage uh, right up to the day. Um, this is not the only place that his coming is referred to as a thief in the night. Referred to elsewhere. It seems like it's the first Thessalonians 4 and 5 passage here. He talks about him coming as a thief in the night. It's a time when we will, will not know. So, what we have to know uh, in regards to all this is to be ready, to be prepared, to be living uh, lives that when he comes uh, would not be for us such a disappointment to be caught uh, doing things we should not be doing, living lives that would not be bringing honor and glory to him. Okay, so that's um, just a quickie on all of that discourse, uh, especially this last portion here, where he is, um, it, it, it certainly seems to me he is talking about that day that is still yet to come when he returns. We're not going to know exactly what it's going to look like. Um, from, from this passage. We get some more ideas about what it's going to look like and some of the other aspects of, of it from other passages in Scripture, and we're going to be looking at another one next week. I think we will look at... Um, I, I think we'll go on and, and look at uh, Romans uh, chapter 11 next week, and there's some, some aspects of the the end times that are going to happen there and uh, so I want us to see those that will take us about three weeks to get through Romans 11 too so um, just so you'll know we'll, we'll go into some detail in Romans uh, chapter 11 but that's where we'll be next week um, we're going to go uh, and, and look also um, at uh, 
1 Thessalonians 4, um, and I guess 5 and following, we'll look at 1 Corinthians 15, the passage, and we'll obviously look at uh, Revelation 20. There's a number of passages in Revelation, but Revelation 20 is certainly one of the primary uh, texts that we need to look at as we consider uh, our Lord's return. So those are some more things uh, to come. Once we get done looking at specific passages that deal with it, we're going to look at um, what many individual passages tell us will take place. They might not uh, go into as much detail as, say, uh, Matthew 24 or um, uh, Revelation 20, but they're going to tell us very specific things that will take place on the day of our Lord's return. We're going to look at those things, and then we're going to kind of compare them with different different uh, ideas uh, that are that are out there of how how it's going to be when the Lord returns, and try to see which one fits best in the different main. Um, Main views that are out there, and everybody's basically for yes. Um, I have a question. Matthew 25, 36, and Paul 
and uh, Romans he's talking about salvation by uh, faith in Jesus Christ alone is by God's grace and uh, so at the end of chapter or at the beginning of chapter 6 he's just been going through real big in, in chapter 5 he's even pointed out that the old, we have Old Testament examples of that in Abraham and David and so in chapter 6 he knows that he anticipates his question someone will say well they'll say well let's sin that God's grace might be abounding and he says no you can't do that you've been uh, you've been buried with him in, in baptism you've been raised to new life with him and you are you are united with him in this way and someone who has truly had the faith like that that's not a way you can be saved and so it, it kind of goes along in the, in the same lines we um, the the what we talk about the third use of the law. You familiar with those terms? The, the, I, I have you know, been for years. Oh yeah. But the, the, the third use of the law is the, is the law uh, <laughs> instructs believers how to live more Christ-like. And uh, so it's it's not that we're we're doing these things to earn our salvation. Our salvation's been earned before us. But if we know that uh, that love is what motivates the promise. And you, um, okay, so let's say it's like the days of Noah. Mm -hmm. So they're just having a good time and making money. Uh, they're doing what people do, you know? And it sounds like these people are not just doing that. They're doing all kinds of good. These people here. Oh, yeah, some of the people there. Yeah. Well, obviously, when Jesus is saying, like in the days of Noah, um, he, he is talking about life going on in the normal because of the illustrations and the things that were going on during the days of Noah. Certainly there will be good people who are going on to uh, do good stuff and others who are like, where's, where's this promised one that's been so long and never going to return? Peter talks. Abigail's arms, are you familiar with Abigail's arms? I 
they suffered. It's mostly for women who were in abusive situations and they get out and there's a house for them and became safe and uh, that sort of stuff. We've done it for them. There's another ministry in Gainesville called the Vista. I don't know that that's reflected and we, we help with that too. So, um, so anyway, yeah, but I, I just think it's imperative uh, to us to get involved. And, and it doesn't have to be necessarily through the church. I, maybe some of the rest of you have seen people stop on the side of the road. Like the young lady doesn't look like she knows what the world she's doing. Stop and change the tire for them or something like that. I did that long before I met my wife. Gotten old anymore. So. So, but it would be a good thing, you know. And if I don't do that, then <laughs> Well, um... Scripture about says, those that know to do that, do not do that. Yeah. So, um, it is, um, it does seem that that would be the desire of our Sending the note, tell them I'm praying for you. It's been on my heart. talking about those, you know, you do, you do what you can, you have the ability or the means to do. James, what you're talking about there in James, he says pretty explicitly that you, you have means to do if somebody comes to you and asks for something. And, Yeah, 
I give every time somebody calls my phone and wants money, I'd be asking for money myself, be begging for them to leave my house and home. That's, that's, that's what uh, caller ID is all about. <laughs> yeah. You got so many of them nowadays, you're just as crooked as a rattlesnake, and you give $10 to have the police around, well, I've got to get some money up for the night in my pocket and make it a place for the dollar. That's sad, So maybe doing some research in those things too. Well, what you ought to do when they call us, and I did study, uh, thought about it after I hung up. Next time they ask me to help law enforcement, I'll say, yeah, I want to help law enforcement in my community by all that I can do. I asked you before about that and called and talked to a guy. He says, we never solicit money over the phone. Hmm. Well, from what I understand, the firemen are standing with the boots on the side of the road. That's supposed to be legitimate. So. All right. Uh, well, we do know that we, we want to be living ways that would, that would bring honor to God and uh, helping out those who need help in the ways that we can. Um, something that we should be doing. So, uh, in the meantime, until the Lord returns. All right. Let me pray for us, and we'll uh, get back together. Lord, again, 